Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. There's a lot to know and catch up on. My name is Jordan Levine, Vice President and Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors with episode 105 and joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our Deputy Chief Economist. Oscar, it's been 105 episodes. I know. It's 105 and uh, we're half almost, well, we're past the first quarter of this year already. Uh, we're moving into the second quarter or first or second month of the second quarter. And uh, still still looks like, you know, there are a lot of things uh, that we can talk about in terms of the market, in terms of the economy. Of course, it's, uh, you know, if you look at the, you can just take a look at the interest rates. It's so yeah. up and downs and you can All see a lot map. of uncertainty going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about how that's playing out in the housing market, uh, what we see going on with new home sales as well. And of course, talk about those rates because there's a lot tied up in there with what the Fed's going to do in the next week or two coming up here and what we've seen happen in the banking sector and all that. And then maybe even talk a little bit about commercial real estate because we did do some commercial analysis and um, in some ways makes me thankful that we're working more on the residential <laughs> side of, of the market. But I think unlike residential, commercial still probably got a way to go. But let's start with residential, at least. That's what most of our members care about. Um, and and we had a, a bit of a kind of good news, bad news situation in March. On the one hand, sales were down a little bit from where we were in February. But on the other hand, I think we had a better number than what we were seeing last winter when we were down, I think, in the 230-something thousand range. And 281,000, again, down 1% from February, but still a lot higher than 237 or wherever we were back in December. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you're right. You know, we can see some positive there and existing home sales. We can also see that you know things are still a little sluggish. Uh, because of interest rates, because of afford- uh, off affordability. Yeah. I mean, it looks like, you know, we're kind of, you know, uh, moving sideways a little bit in the last couple months or so. I mean, of course, we're still waiting to see, you know, what will come in in April, still a couple more days before we kind of see some numbers trickle in and probably won't process the number for another week or two. Uh, but it still looks like uh, we are seeing something leveling, uh, kind of uh, moving sideways, partly because of, you know, the ups and downs in the uh, interest rates, partly also because of, uh, even though we are seeing some slowdown in price. Now, look at price, you know, in terms of statewide median price, yeah. you know, for usually at the beginning of the year, we see some slowdown. And we, we saw, we started seeing some year-over-year decline uh, f- uh, since, I think, the end of last year and, right. you know, continue to stay low. Yeah. And, and and I mean, but we are moving into the uh, second quarter or the home buying season. So things should actually get a little bit better. Yeah. And we did see that a little bit on a month to month basis. Right. This is the first time we've seen prices go up. They're still down from where they were at this time last year, but they actually went up from where they were in February by about seven and a half percent, seven point six percent. So we're getting close to eight hundred thousand again. So we're still seeing that kind of seasonal uptick in home prices, even though relative to last year, they're not as high. 
Yeah, and you mentioned it before, I think in the last episode, of course, part of it is because of price appreciation, actual price appreciation, but the other part of it also is because of mix of sales and seasonality. Usually when we move into home buying season, we see some change in a mix of sales. Right. And you have families out there buying, they tend to be bigger homes and more expensive homes uh, and all of, of that stuff. What about, you know, the kind of first quarter as a, as a whole, because we now have three months of data. Are we still looking like we're on track for our forecast? I know, you know, we kind of downgraded our forecast to the high 200,000 range, but it does seem like at least sales, even if they're not going up super fast anymore, uh, they they haven't. I don't think we're going to see the bottom fall out. Is that still the case, or? Yeah, I think you know we have already bottomed out sort of early part of this year, or maybe late last year. I mean, the uh, for the quarter, you know, we actually dropped close to forty percent, thirty seven point eight percent to be exact. But you know, just to keep in mind, early part of the year we dropped maybe about forty forty five percent, and then slowly started. Um, uh, uh, softening up a little bit in terms of that decline. And we it was, uh, just remember in the first quarter of last year in 2022, we did have some uptick because of people trying to lock into low rates. And so we did see some um, pretty solid number at the beginning of this year. Uh, in the second quarter of last year, those numbers actually came down. So I can see that, you know, in, uh, in the upcoming months, uh, as we move into April, May, and June, and as far as closed sales are concerned, I think we will see smaller decline on Basic a year-over-year basis. Good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I tend to think that I'm, I'm you know, loathe to revise the forecast anymore just because I think, again, we're forecasting high 200s. That seems to be where we're kind of stabilizing around. We went lower than that for a bit there and have now come back up. It's interesting just how macro driven it seems like this whole thing is. And and I guess coupled to the inventory side, but every region is kind of seeing similar numbers in terms of that overall year to year decline in that 30% or, or so range. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, you know, still, you said it right. You know, we're still at the 30, you know, percent decline range. It's not going to, we're not going to see, uh, you know, a significant improvement in one month or so, but it will continue to improve in a second quarter, as we mentioned. I mean, some areas are going to drop a little bit more. And I think, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, the tech industry layoffs, we're, we saw in the Bay Area, we dropped quite a bit, uh, maybe uh, late last year, uh, maybe the first or couple months of this year. But Bay Area seems to be actually improving slightly. Um, I think we're seeing some... Um, decline a little bit more decline in Southern California and a couple other uh, counties, Central Valley also dipping a little bit and far North. Uh, they're very sensitive to interest rates. So yes. when interest rates started improving, which I believe we had, we had seen, uh, we had seen a little bit of improvement in the last few weeks. So it's possible that April and maybe May, we might see a little bit more positive, um, still going to be down compared to last year, but maybe on a month to month basis, we might see some improvement. Yeah, and there what yeah, exactly. There's signs that there will be that kind of spring home buying season. Although I think to me the biggest limiting factor, and we already touched on prices a little bit, but it's hard to talk about price without talking about supply because you know inventory is just so tight out there. And even though you know we had the the kind of biggest year to year decline, I think we've seen um, going back to the last housing you know cycle. It it it's still I think 
reasonable to expect that we're not going to see the bottom fall out on prices with unsold inventory um, as low as it is. We're up from those very, um, you know, kind of all time low levels of like one and a half months of supply, but 2.2 months, still a very tight market and actually tighter than it was back in February, right? We were at three months of supply back then. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, part of it is seasonal as well. Uh, but it's it's a, a lot to do with interest rates. A lot of time when we talk about interest rates, we, you know, put out conversation primarily on buyers, but it, it has been affecting uh, sellers as well because of those lock-in effect that we discussed in the past. Right. We're seeing, you know, as you mentioned, February's number, UII or sold inventory index, it was at three months, 3.2 months, and we started dropping to two. And it could actually continue to stay very tight, you know, as we move into April and May. Um, and when you take a look at, you know, those uh, days on market, how long a property's in the market, yeah, that's right. an indication of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we're down from those all-time highs of almost 900000 you know, at one point in terms of price last year. But, um, you know, the as, as inventory declines and rates, you know, came down into the, I think, below six and a half percent and Freddie Mac's number for the last handful of weeks. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly the market gets more competitive. You said days on market, but we see more homes selling above list price too. And actually I think fewer of the actives out there now have, you know, reductions on them. And I know part of that is seasonal um, as well, but it kind of belies or flies in the face of, of some of these predictions that, you know, the decline in price is is really going to start to pick up momentum. And I think the inventory is just so, so in, incredibly tight. And, and, you know, it especially when it comes to new construction, right? And, and we're not building a lot and new home sales are actually picking up the same kind of momentum during the spring home buying season that, that we kind of saw in February and that we held on to a bit in March. Yeah, I think part of the reason why we're seeing some new home sales and this is a good way to segue into it is, you know, when you mentioned about uh, not having enough active listings, you know, from the existing housing stocks right. um, and, and people are not listings, then, of course, you know, consumers or buyers have to look somewhere else. And a year ago, you know, two years ago, even though we have not been building enough, you know, there might be some uh, new homes that's actually started popping up. Um, and so. Consumers, buyers are actually looking at least at the national level. And I can't say that for for every state, but you know, for at the U.S. level, it seems like new home sales actually start picking up uh, a bit more compared to you know the uh, the existing housing market. And in fact, you know, on a month to month basis, it actually increased close to ten percent in February from February, mm -hmm. and it was actually the third increase in the last four months. Uh, and I think it has something to do with the fact that people have to you know, kind of look, you know, if they can't find anything in the existing housing market, they have to look for the new home sales. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a symptom of this idea that there's still more buyers than there are homes available for sale. And I think, again, that's kind of uh, a recipe for prices to, to, you know, not necessarily rebound significantly, but it will prevent them from really accelerating to the downside. And actually, when you look at the, the new home prices are actually up this year. Yeah, and the other part of it also is uh, that, of course, uh, for existing home sales, you know, you have a seller side and a buyer side to negotiate. And then right. you know, most of the time it comes down to, you know, what's existing rate is currently in the market. 
But on new home sales, sometimes they offer incentives, right? You know, they yeah. have like buy, you know, they, they buy down, the developers buy, because obviously the developers want to get rid of those units. Yeah, um, yeah. they have a little bit of profit margin to play with. And so they can buy you right down, they can give you more amenities and, and things like that to kind of offset some of the burden of these higher interest rates that we're in today. Yeah, so I think, you know, that's the reason why we're seeing, you know, some new home sales increasing. Uh, but of course, new home sales still makes up only about, what, 10% of the total housing market. So even though it does help, you know, residential, uh, you know, sales overall, uh, probably not a whole lot. That's why you're still seeing a lot of competitiveness in the market right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even on the new homes side of things, right, like inventory is still shrinking. And and so it's, it's you know, going to be up against the same challenges and I think is going to prevent the major decline in home prices again that, that folks are forecasting out there in some cases. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I think it may be, you can, we can always put, you know, get some positive out of, you know, new home sales increase, for example, that suggests to us that the economy is still doing okay. Maybe we still have demand. Uh, people are not completely abandoning, you know, the housing market, right? It's basically just because of housing affordability and supply. Right. Absolutely. What about interest rates, though? Because that's kind of the biggest variable that's been out there in recent weeks. We're up, we're down. Where are we at recently? Well, I think you're right. You know, at one point we were at 7%. That was probably... Um, and uh, maybe mid-March or something like that. Oh, actually, maybe a little bit earlier than that, uh, maybe about, you know, the uh, ninth or the first week of March, and then we started seeing some slowdown in rates, and that's because of, you know, those banking turmoil that yeah. we experience. Everybody in- flees to safety when the financial markets are in disarray, and that was definitely the case here. We saw two-year and 10-year, um, you know, interest rates drop as people fled into those kind of more safer um, options. Right. And then at the same time, of course, I think uh, that the beginning of um, April, people tend people tend to forget things, right? And they started calming down, and then we started seeing some increase in rates, Uh in uh, mid in early April to uh, mid April, uh, but then in the last week or so, we started seeing a little bit of slowdown. Yeah, um, came down by about 20, 30 basis point actually from the peak. Peak, I think currently it is at six point five, six point six or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was it's like six point five nine today as we're sitting here recording this, but the Freddie Mac number was like six point four three or something like that. But literally, as we're sitting here recording this, there's like people sitting out front of First Republic Bank waiting for FDIC vans to roll in at any moment. (laughs) Um, And that could cause another potential flight back into treasuries again, that could give buyers a reprieve in the coming um, weeks. You know, it's interesting that we're in just this weird, bizarre kind of good news is bad news environment, because Although, you know, folks are struggling with these higher rates and, and you know, they don't qualify for as much home as they could last year. And we want rates to be lower for the housing market. It's it's um, challenging when the inventory is so tight, right, that it doesn't necessarily translate into more home sales. It just equals more competition uh, in, in the marketplace. But we know First Republic is kind of up against it. And, and, you know, the logical conclusion of, of a bank, you know, or an FDIC takeover like that would be that probably lower rates on mortgages, at least over the short run, as the two and 10-year notes come down. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it created a lot of concerns, you know, for, for folks who may not have, um, you know, remember what First Republic Bank, uh, what happened to First Republic Bank, remember about a month ago, or maybe about six weeks ago, you know, First Republic Bank was one of the banks that, you know, they were in trouble. And a lot of banks, I think it's 11 big banks had to pour in some money to help them out. And the reason why they resurface again is, you know, of course, it's the uh, first quarter uh, earning call. Yeah. And then they made some announcement or, you know, when they released a report and people were concerned about what's going to happen with First Republic Bank because, you know, the withdrawn, the money withdrawn was actually a lot bigger than, you know, other people, other, many of the investors thought. And so the yeah. prices actually tank again for First Republic Bank and that created a lot of turmoil. But as you mentioned, you know, it helps interest rates in a way, um, yeah. even though, you know, it started, you know, inching up a little bit in the last couple of days again. Right. And I think it's just a symptom of the broader challenge for the financial markets as a whole, even outside of banking, is just that, you know, earnings are um, harder to come by. Capital is not going to be as um, loosely flowing, I think, as it's been up to this point, just because there's a lot of other higher interest rate, um, uh -huh. higher return kind of risk-free options out there, making the hurdle for folks that are are trying to raise capital that much harder in terms of what you got to give back on the back end in terms of profits and earnings and things like that. Yeah. And the other part of it also, of course, of, you know, bank failures, bank concerns uh, is one part of it that kind of uh, made uh, mortgage rates uh, fluctuate a little bit in the last couple of weeks or last few weeks. But the other major part of it, of course, is about inflation, about how the economy is doing. Uh, in fact, you know, next week, I believe, uh, we will have another FOMC meeting and people yes. obviously are kind of thinking about, okay, what's going to happen with uh, inflation and uh, the economy? Yeah. Yeah. And especially in light of this whole First Republic bank thing looming in the background. I mean, First Republic was already basically taken over once. It was just taken over by the private sector. Right. And and right. now they might have to see intervention from the actual FDIC stepping in. Um, but I think, you know, it, it we have a template for this, right? Because we had a couple of bank failures right before the last FOMC meeting. And I think they kept their kind of foot on on the gas and raised 25 basis points. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a 25 basis point uh, rate hike again next week, even as there are signs that inflation continues to cool, right? We had the CPI that dropped down from 6% to 5%. I think the the CPE deflator that came out with the latest GDP data showed that it was like 4.2% or something there, but still, again, twice as high as where they want it to be. What do you think? Because there are more signs than just that, that, that inflation is cooling. Right. I mean, I think, you know, if you just look at the overall number, you know, CPI or PCE, obviously, you know, it could conflict each other a little bit. The PCE seems like a little bit higher than what people uh, previously expected, as you mentioned, is still 4.2% or higher. Um, but at the same time, they also look at, if you look at an individual item, like energy, of course, natural gas, you know, those are some of the things that people look at. Um, for example, you know, diesel prices have come down. Uh, that might be, even though we are moving into that summer season, usually, you know, they get just their ingredient or whatever on the, on the diesel. Um, those numbers actually have come down, which, you know, suggests that, okay, maybe we have you know, inflation is st still softening up a little bit, maybe still a way to go, but softening up a little bit. But yeah. it also suggests to us that maybe, you know, all those uh, rate hikes, all those, um, you know, aggressive move by the Fed, uh, maybe actually slowing things down a little bit, 
maybe yeah. slowing down, you know, the goods or manufacturing part of it. We know that the service sector could still be uh, showing some signs of increase in the labor cost. But at least on that part of it, on the manufacturing and good sides, we seems to be slowing down, especially uh, with the report that came out by, I think, UPS announced uh, in the first quarter earning also mm. suggests that some slowdown, which means we will be seeing some slowdown in uh, economy, but hopefully uh, it won't get to a point where we will see, you know, a very deep recession. Right. Yeah. And I think you're seeing, you know, further signs of just slowing on the macro side overall, right? Because retail sales have been dropping. And even though service sector spending is is up, I think we had some of the slowest growth in services even in the last year with people not going out to bars, restaurants and hotels quite as much or or I guess the you know the growth wasn't uh as much even and that's been really I guess the one engine of growth up to uh, up to this point and I think consumer confidence is actually going down um as as well and so again GDP is still growing but you know a 1.1 percent increase right. is some of the slowest growth that we saw and I think that came out just yesterday as as well and again all of that growth came from consumers right we lost you know traction on every other category of spending business investment went down and construction and all of that stuff so um you know i think the broader economy is going to be facing more challenges what about the debt ceiling because i know you brought that up this morning as well um that just kind of creates more uncertainty i guess yeah i think it does you create some uncertainty i think uh the uh, Janet Yellen, the, uh, the the Department of Treasury came out and uh, talked about, well, we have to resolve this debt ceiling issue because if it doesn't, you know, there are, I, I have I have uh, I, I've gotten questions asked about debt ceiling before. Yeah. And, you know, what happened with, you know, if, if we actually reach a limit, which um, it is potentially going to be somewhere sometime in June, if we actually don't resolve that issue, it, the U.S. is going to be in default. But that creates a lot of issues. For one thing that we're all concerned about, interest rates will probably start climbing um, because of, you know, more risk. Um, but the other part of it is people are not going to get paid. You know, some of the government government employees are not going to get paid. Um, right. So that's going to, you know, lead to more concerns about, you know, economic slowdown. Uh, there are other issues as well, you know, uh, that could actually lead to um uh, the U.S. Uh, the grade being uh, bond grade being uh, de- uh, degrade or uh, downgraded yep. to a lower number. There are a lot oh, of concerns. That goes up, right? Right, and and of course they're trying to resolve. Of course, it's it's late April now. Um, they have a few weeks to kind of figure things out. I think you know they've been going back and forth a little bit. Um, it's possible that we. It's very possible that we will have this resolved, but I think last time or maybe a couple of times ago, um, just a reminder that we did go into a default for um, what a few days or a, a week bit. or so. I can't remember. Yeah, right. um, yeah. So this is a potential, you know, concern, um, uh, danger to the economic activity for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's just this is one of those things that crops up all the time. It's not the major driver of everything happening, but it's just kind of adding on uh, more stress to a system that's got bigger challenges, you know, facing it. And I think the other one that I got asked about yesterday when I knew it was officially um, presidential election season was somebody <laughs> asked me what the election next year is going to do to the housing market and as the campaigning starts towards the end of the year. The good news is it's a simple answer. We went back and looked at the data many years and I had to dust <laughs> off the analysis that we do every four years 
Um, but, you know, there is no correlation once you factor in what's happening in the economy with rates and unemployment and incomes and all of that stuff. It falls out of statistical significance. So that's the good news. But it did let me know that uh, election season is officially now started, that I got that, that <laughs> question. What about commercial real estate, though? Because I think, you know, the commercial is more directly impacted by just broader economic trends, right? Because this is the stuff that businesses are out there doing and on top of that, I think you've still got the remote work um, issue lingering out there for office space. You've had people that have been locked into long-term commercial leases during the initial parts of the pandemic and things like that. And then now, you know, I think we're starting to see, um, you know, some of that stuff vacate. What's what's the story with commercial? Well, okay. If if you think the interest rates have an impact on residential, which it has a great impact on that residential. It also has an impact on commercial because right. not all commercial real estate properties were paying cash, obviously. Right. Um, so it, it matters a lot. A lot of people will need to be, uh, we need to refinance or, you know, for commercial real estate uh, mortgages. So currently, you know, there is a record number of um, commercial mortgage set to expire in 2023. Um, that's the concern. Now, the reason uh, when I say a record number, let me just throw out some numbers. We're talking about a 4.4 trillion outstanding commercial uh, mortgages, and about 16% of those will mature in 2023, and then another close to 660 billion will actually mature in uh, 2024. So we're looking at a lot of things that's going to be maturing, and just yeah. like you know residential, a lot of people lock in at a, you know low rates. Right now, yeah, and sure, people need to refinance. Right, yeah. then what's going to happen? So that's going to be, you know, and these are big numbers. Again, you're talking about 700 and then another 600 and something. That's, you know, 1.4 trillion with a T. Right. Um, and rates, you know, again, although low still by historical standards, right, ha having most of those at relatively uh, or actually in some cases much lower interest rates means that they're going to be up against it just in terms of uh, making these monthly payments. And I think that's when the questions about how much space you need and things like that um, start to become really prescient. And if we're in the midst of a broader kind of economic slowdown where folks aren't raising capital and expanding their payrolls and hiring as quickly and your mortgage, you know, is costing a lot more, are you going to be able to go out and find people to sublet some of your space and do all of that? And I think, um, you know, there's, there's potentially challenges, or I guess I should say that unlike on the residential side, you know, I think there's still more room to go to the downside. Yeah, I, I I think you kind of when you mentioned when we started talking about the CRE stuff, the commercial real estate stuff, you mentioned yeah there are you know uh there are some challenges because of remote working and there are things uh that concerns the uh, CRE uh, market a little bit. And one thing that you mentioned was uh you know remote working definitely has an effect on certain type of properties, uh, office uh, property for example. Mm. And uh, or retail may have effect may have been affected also, sure. um, and and you can see from you know the uh, I think you put together a chart of you know commercial transactions. Yes. You know you, we saw that residential dropped partly because of higher rates and a higher you know uh, low affordability, but the commercial transactions also dropped because of uncertainty about the market, but also because of you know high cost of borrowing. 
Right. And they're not losing momentum the way that the declines on the residential side are. I think we were falling by 50% at one point, you know, wow. even though we were down by 30 something percent um, last month for existing single family. You can see the declines on the commercial side are still accelerating, right? So they're still getting bigger. Uh, and, right. and actually, the overall magnitude is larger, too. They were down 50%. So there's half as many transactions in February as there were um, last last spring as well. So and and when you look at it from a price standpoint, you know, CoStar's property type price indexes, which is kind of like a case shiller um, for office, office is the only one dropping. Everything is decelerating across the board, but um, office prices, at least in terms of transactional per square foot um, value-weighted prices were actually down by double digits last month. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you put everything together, um... I think there was one chart, chart that you put together before that shows, you know, the overall might be dropping by um, two or three percent or so, which seems like, you know, a small percentage on the service. Uh, but, you know, when we look deeper into it, we saw something interesting that is uh, something that is concerning for the mortgage side, because, you know, when we look at the appraisal value, right, it does seem like that uh, compared to a year ago, the appraisal value actually dipped you know, by double digit. Um, and the reason why I brought that to everyone's attention is, you know, appraisal value is probably what the, uh, when, when mortgages get reset, they look at appraisal value and that might actually uh, resulted in some of those mortgages, CRE mortgages, not being able to um, reset at the rate that they want it to be and could possibly lead to some default. Right. Yeah. And so, again, I think it's it's, you know, something that's got more legs on it than on the residential side, where I think we are at near or even maybe a little bit past the bottom in terms of sales, at least um, commercial, I think, still has a lot of looming challenges, both on the finance side. Right. And the mortgage finance associated. And we have seen CMBS delinquencies start to go up for office in particular. Um, vacancy rates are are up a little bit as well. And so. Um, you know, I think that that is the bigger risk for real estate at, at this point in time. And again, more subject to just these kind of more immediate changes in the macro environment. If we start to see unemployment go up, um, if the Fed does raise rates by 25 or more basis points and the economy slows more to get inflation under control, you know, it's going to come, obviously, I think, at the cost of broader economic growth, which, again, slowed to 1.1% in the first quarter. It's still growing, but not growing quite as fast as it has been. And I think just just kind of corroborates the story that consumers who have been driving the whole show are starting to um, stop and catch their breath a little bit. So, yeah, well, that, well, let me, let me, you know, go back a little bit on the commercial side, you know, just to reiterate, even though we, uh, we are seeing some concerns in the CRE sector, uh, I don't want every, any, every, everyone to jump the gun a little bit um, because Jordan also mentioned, you know, right now, office sectors is the one that actually losing in terms of the actual sale price or you know value or so the other sector like multifamily uh industrial uh even retail they're doing okay so even though there are risks right there uh, i'm hopeful that you know it could be a risk that could be contained if we if interest rates don't start rising significantly if we start, if the Fed realize that, okay, well, things are actually, things needs to calm down a little bit, um, then may, things may not be as bad, you know, this, you know, even though CRE is a concern, I think right. it probably won't be as bad as what a lot of people believe. 
Right. And the, so far, the slowdown on the consumer side, it, you know, it's been a relatively soft landing, shall we say. It hasn't been a rapid adjustment to these higher rates and things like that. So there's a chance that inflation will just continue to dip. We'll get closer to peak. They'll be able to back off and the 10 and the two year note numbers make sense. And we won't see a big increase in interest rates and maybe, some, you know, give some of these commercial owners uh, a break when that time comes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great. I think we covered a lot. There was always going to be more to cover. And so we will be back with you uh, in another episode for 106. And we'll just continue pushing upwards into the triple digits. But uh, I think, you know, this is great information for our members to know. I'm glad we could touch on commercial as well, because I know that's something that I've been getting asked about in the field. But uh, Oscar, it's always great to be back with you. And and I always look forward to these opportunities to connect. And uh did we miss anything important? I think we we shared everything that we have. Obviously, in the next couple of weeks, we have more news about some other things like FOMC or interest rates and stuff like that. Sure. And in our 106, the next episode, we definitely will talk about those. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And again, good to see you as always. And uh, we will see all of our members and listeners on the next one. Thanks. All right. Bye.